my work is my life. They're intermingled. I think someone said that if you find um, something you're passionate about, you'll never work a day again in your life. That's how I feel. I, I don't feel I'm working. It's not the money. It's um, it's just the um, passion, the sense of purpose, the sense of achievement. That's Sonu Shivdasani, OBE, talking there, CEO and Joint Creative Director of the famous and sustainable Soneva Resorts brand. This is just one of the gems Sonu talks about during this episode, but we'll get back to that in just a second. I'm Carla Bazashi, and I'm the CEO of WGSN, the world's leading consumer insight and trend forecasting company. In this episode, we'll be exploring the future of travel and how our expectations of the destinations we visit and the experience we have there are evolving. Sonu, it's so lovely to have you here with me today. Please introduce yourself for our listeners. I'm Sonu Shivdasani. I'm the guardian of the culture at Suneva. Now, we've got lots of important topics to get onto today, but an icebreaker question, if you will, to get started. I ask this to all my guests. What was a pivotal moment or person in your career that's had the most impact on getting you to where you are today? I think there are a few. My father was very inspiring. So um, he was really um, a big mentor for me. A lot of my values and uh, my way of living life, even though he passed away when I was quite young, when I was 13, my way of living life um, was, was guided by him. And then I met my wife, Ava, when I was 20. She introduced me to the Maldives, where we are here, and um, which is really the start of uh, Suneva. So um, I think Ava was quite um, inspiring for me as well, and um, introducing me to the Maldives, to the destination. And um, this is really something that we've built together hand in hand. Wonderful. Okay, now we're going to get into um, the questions in a second. But before we start, just something for you to think about. And it's a question that I will come back to right at the end. So just let your mind ponder while we're talking about other topics. And that's when was the last time that you learned something new, maybe something that has an impact on the way that you live your life or see the world or run your business. But we'll come back to that at the end. Yeah, okay. Now, it's always a delight to get to speak to someone like uh, you, Sanu, but the reason for today's conversation is the launch of our new white paper, The Future Traveller, which was a joint project between WGSN and Suneva. Now, we cover a wide range of topics in the report, but at the heart of it is the evolving demands of tomorrow's traveller who want a more sustainable approach to their trips. You've really been at the forefront of sustainable travel for some decades now. What do you think it was that you understood so many years ago that others failed to notice? So, so what did we understand on, on, on the whole issue of sustainability? I'm not sure if we understood anything different. I think it was, it was very clear that we were facing quite a few challenges. Back in the 80s, you had James Lovelock already with his Gaia theory, already talking about um, the issues of global warming and um, the impact it would have on the planet. So we, we knew that it was quite obvious, but I think others chose to ignore it. And we realized that it was fundamental. And um, we were young at the time, you know, in the 80s. Um, and so we, we, we had a long future ahead of us and um, wanted to ensure that whatever we did was um, going to continue to prosper well beyond us. So we've, we've always considered ourselves to be guardians, guardians of these places that um, we feel privileged to take care of during our lifetime. And our whole attitude and approach is to leave these places uh, better than when we arrived. I mean, the fact that you introduce yourself as a guardian rather than a CEO or a founder or anything, I think is really telling. The guardian of the culture, yes. So uh, I think driving a culture is the key job of the CEO. So um, we've actually decided to reorganize our titles at Suneva around the objective, key objective of the job. And for me as the leader in this organization, 
It's to create values, beliefs, a philosophy that drives behavior. Wow. Okay. I feel I'm learning things. This is going to become sort of a mentoring session rather than a discussion. (laughs) Thank you. Now, there's a line in the white paper that's really stayed with me since reading it. And that is, for while sustainable tourism aims to minimize damage to a location, regenerative travel strives to improve it for future generations. Can you tell me what this means for you and how you're prioritizing that over just creating a sort of profitable portfolio of destinations? Certainly. So, as I said earlier, we we feel ourselves as being guardians of these places and our objective is to leave them in a better shape than when, when we arrived. So, we've introduced and launched the largest coral propagation project in the Maldives and one of the 10 largest in the world. We've just introduced a spawning lab where we will accelerate the spawning of coral. And the idea is that in five or 10 years, rather than our, the state of our reefs declining, they'll actually be better than they were 10 years ago. So that's another example of regeneration. So we try and practice regenerative travel, but we really need to bear in mind that our industry, the travel and tourism industry, unfortunately, is very resource driven. When you fly on a plane, you're consuming a lot of CO2 and uh, supplies coming in are consuming CO2. And so we've realized that and we've tried to sort of minimize our impact as much as possible. So we've actually been carbon neutral since 2010. We're actually uh, the first and I think still the only hotel group to introduce a mandatory carbon levy. Wow. So when a guest comes and stays with us, you'll have the, we'll quote you the room rate. Mm -hmm. We'll then uh, quote the local GST, VAT, depending on which country you're in. And then there'll be a service charge added, uh, a mandatory government service charge. And then on, in addition to that, there'll be 2% added to the bill, which is a carbon levy. Of course, if you book through a tour operator, we absorb all of that. And um, that over the years has generated about $10 million for the Seneva Foundation. It's funded um, half a million trees in Thailand, supporting the local community there and avoiding um, erosion and um, floods. And um, it's provided a 1.5 megawatt windmill in India. In Darfur and Myanmar, we've invested in cook stoves. So these stoves burn the wood doubly efficiently. In Myanmar, some families are spending up to a third of their income on the firewood. So being able to use half the firewood to achieve the same output is fantastic. And um, then a 60% reduction in CO2 emissions. So it's um, a perfect example of where we made a small change to the way we do business, which has had a huge positive impact. I love the, I guess, to begin with, the radical transparency there. So you're being very open and honest with your guests that this is how, that we are taking this money from you, but it's going to be used for this reason. Right. And then you've got this long list of global impacts that you're having as a consequence of that. How engaged are guests with that? How interested are they in the projects that are taking place? And have you seen any kind of uptick in that engagement? I would say, yeah, more engagement over the last five, 10 years, certainly. Some guests, you know, love it and um, ask a lot of questions. In fact, our CFO joined us 10 years ago. He was a Seneva enthusiast. So his wife and he had stayed with us about 14 times at between Seneva Fushi and some of the Six Senses properties, which I was running at the time. And then they got in touch with us. He got in touch with me about the foundation and how we were using the carbon offset money. And, um, it was he who actually introduced us to the Cookstove project. So now he's our CFO. So, so that's an example of a very engaged guest. <laughs> <laughs> he loved you so much. He came to work for you. That's amazing. Exactly, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
Either that or he couldn't afford to pay our bills anymore. <laughs> so, instead of washing the Amazing. dishes, you know. <laughs> so, and, um, but then there are other guests from other markets who still believe that, you know, if it's sustainable, it's not luxurious. So hence, you know, from a consumer point of view, our brand pop- proposition is inspiring a lifetime of rare experiences. And um, that, that's what we're really communicating to our guests. Slow life is an internal core purpose, which um, drives our team. Sonu, I'm going to go to our reoccurring questions, which I ask all our guests, and then we'll come back and continue sure. uh, on these topics. So don't think too hard about the answers. Quick fire Q&A here. Why do you work? I'm passionate about what I do. I, I just, um, I, I love um, what we're trying to create, our purpose, our slow life for purpose. I love creating beautiful buildings. I love creating new concepts and experiences. And, and I love pushing the boundaries of the sustainability. So um, we have so many interesting projects and that just keeps me going all, all, all the time. Do you have a sense of purpose in your work? Oh, absolutely, yes, yeah, yeah. And do you have a sense of purpose in your life? Well, you know, um, my work and my is, is my life. They're intermingled. I think someone said that if you find um, something you're passionate about, you'll never work a day again in your life. And it's it's a bit, that's, that's how I feel. I, I don't feel I'm working. I, it's not the money, it's um, the passion, the sense of purpose, the sense of achievement. If you can crystallize it, what is that purpose? That purpose is um, is really to push the boundaries of um, sustainability and, um, and and all that Suneva stands for, offering our guests luxuries whilst minimizing our impact on the planet and enhancing their health. Perfect. When are you the most creative? In the morning. So I, I tend to wake up after about six and a half hours, but then I still stay in, in bed for about half an hour. So my mind's... Um, slow down and that's a point when I can I have great thoughts and great ideas and then of course I'm there I'm having a hot glass of hot water doing some emails thoughts come to my mind I do yoga or go to the gym those moments uh, stimulate ideas and then in terms of creative with projects and things it's um, listening to music so um, completely um, disengaged from everything else phones off listening to music and then you know I might be drawing a building or um, thinking out a policy or a philosophy or a concept. Um, okay. When are you offline? The weekend. So I'll turn my WhatsApp off. So I'll still have my phone because um, I use it for the time now. Mm-hmm. There are so many tools on the phone that you have. Um, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll turn off the WhatsApp. Amazing. When was the last time that you felt you were wasting your time and you only had yourself to blame for it? That was a long time ago. That was prior to my first experience with cancer. So I've had uh, lymphoma twice. Um, the first time was in 2018. So prior to that, I would quite often have meetings that weren't really thought through. So someone said, you know, let's have a meeting and I'd sort of go and have a Zoom meeting or, um, you know, actually meet someone. And it was just an unproductive waste of time. I was um, not focused enough entertaining projects that really didn't make sense to us. So um, I think as, as a result of my first experience with cancer, I became much more focused. Every moment is precious and there is no room for time wasting. An awful lot to digest there. Now, everyone's got to know you, well, I was going to say a little bit better, a lot better. Um, I wanted to go back to to today's topic, the future of sustainable travel. So let's talk a bit about the experience side of things. The wisdom seekers are one of the profiles we focus in on the white paper And for these travellers, lifelong learning is a route to lasting satisfaction. 
Their goal is to return from a holiday armed with new wisdom, whether that relates to sustainability or meaningful engagement with indigenous cultures, culinary skills, or wellness practices. I guess it's just so much more than pleasure and relaxation. They're looking for something beyond all of that. Now, with that in mind, how does that desire to learn or travellers' desire to learn impact your business and I guess the wider travel industry as well? Right from the outset, our core purpose has been slow life. So my wife and I have always believed that a company must have a purpose beyond simply enriching shareholders like our, ourselves and our partners and um, and paying our employees a salary. And um, you know, when you can do that, it can be very engaging for your guests and as well as um, as your employees. And um, so um, our core purpose has been slow life, which it's, I mean, in essence, we're offering our guests luxuries whilst minimizing our impact on the planet and enhancing their health at the same time. So that's really our objective, but um, it's also an acronym, an acronym for sustainable local organic wellness, learning, inspiring, fun experiences. So learning, inspiring, fun experiences has always been part of our core purpose for the last um, 20 years. And um, so we've always tried to create these learning experiences that are, are still fun. So at Fresh in the Garden, one of the restaurants which you access, it's it's six meters up. Um, you access with a rope bridge to a six meter sort of um, table that's um, looking over an organic garden. After dinner there, uh, one walks across a bridge and goes to an observatory. And um, that observatory is a perfect example of where, you know, you learn about the planet and the stars. Um, you might have someone like Buzz Aldrin, the second man on the moon, or Massimo Terengi, who runs the largest telescope in the Atacama Desert, explaining their adventures, or, or just our, our resident astronomer explaining the universe out there. So that's a, just a, a small example of a bit of learning. We have a thing called the Suneva Academy for Children, where we teach children all that we've learned over the years on how to live um, in a sustainable manner in a remote island. So whether it's um, our waste to wealth manager explaining how we recycle, how we turn our the branches for the fall off the tree, how we turn that into charcoal, or how we grow different types of mushrooms, how we make a fantastic compost. So there's um, we have a state-of-the-art glass factory where glass blowers teach um, our guests how to blow glass, so how to take... Um, that um, you know, we banned branded water in our hotels back in two thousand eight. So no Evian, no Vitel, but um, there's still the wine bottle, that bottle of Chateau Ikem or, or the Gordon's gin. And um, our guests are taught how you take that bottle, put it into the glass blower, and um, in the in the in the furnace, and then blow glass and go and create great objects from it. It's a whole educational process, really, for all ages that you're talking about. There, you're sort of sending people away smarter than they arrived at the resorts. I hope so, yeah. And um, yeah, and then also um, there's the spiritual depth as well with Pawana Yoga Master. So we, we, we believe a lot in yoga and you, you have yoga in, in many resorts, but um, I've, I've been to ashrams quite often, I, not, not since the pandemic, but prior to that, I'll try and go once a year to an ashram. And um, I've always believed that our yoga masters should be those who've actually spent five or 10 years in an ashram because yoga... It's not just about the asanas. So when when in when people talk about yoga, you think it's an alternative to fitness. You know, you'll see a studio by the gym, and people be on a mat, and they'll be all doing all sorts of funny exercises. That's just one of the seven aspects of yoga. You know, there's um, there's the pranayama, the breathing techniques, there's the meditation, and the high whole ideas. You you there are these seven steps to get to enlightenment, and um, the asanas are just one way there to help you meditate so you um you seek a greater wisdom and so um 
having yoga masters who've been in an ashram for five or 10 years, it gives a bit of a depth. And so when, when people have yoga lessons, they, they, they also um, have life-changing experiences. I was lucky enough to visit an ashram. I went with my mother. Goodness, I must have been about 25 or something like that. And that was life-changing. Having come from doing yoga classes in the UK and then really understanding where it comes from and getting up and praying with everyone at four o'clock in the morning and then doing yoga in a little hut with monkeys running around you. But understanding the real fundamentals, that is, it genuinely is life-changing. So it's amazing that you're enabling people to have that experience. Now, like us, predicting the future is essential to the success of your business. Are you more anxious or hopeful for what's in store for us in years to come? I believe that our, our world and our planet is very versatile. And um, it's really quite heartening to see the improvements in, in technology and how um, the electric car revolution has progressed. When you look at the installation of renewables, it's huge. And um, the good news is the cost of renewables has dropped dramatically. So uh, on 90% of the planet, renewable energy is um, much cheaper than even incumbent coal mines, as an example. I think what is encouraging is that people are interested in conversations like this and that there are people like you who are ensuring that these topics are not just talked about, but that are being implemented. And where you lead, you see others following, and I'm sure more and more will follow in that general direction. And that heartens me. That makes me feel more positive about the future. To wrap up, let's get back to that question from the beginning. When did you last learn something new that had an impact on the way that you live your life? I think the last couple of months, uh, the cancer that I had a few years ago came back. Um, so I was um, in Istanbul um, last August after the summer in Europe. That's where my um, oncologist is. Okay. So I just went to visit him. I carried out a PET scan and unfortunately the lymphoma had returned. So I had to embark on this whole program again of chemotherapy because it was um, a return. It had been three and a half years. So I, I actually personally feel that it wasn't a, what do you call it, a relapse. Mm -hmm. Because with lymphoma, if it hasn't come within the first two years, there's a 95% chance it won't return. I think it was because I had COVID. There's a clear correlation between COVID and uh, a recurrence of cancers. And I think that's what prompted it because I had a high inflammation in the body. And that's what the cancer loves. It's, it loves um, low lymphocytes, uh, you know, the, those soldiers that normally kill the cancer cells. The cancerous cells, you know, are weakened. Uh, you've got inflammation, which is stimulating cells to go rogue. And so I had that context in my body. So I, I didn't think it was relapsed, but unfortunately it was a bit more severe. So um, I had to do three days of chemotherapy rather than one day each cycle. So that was a learning because the first time round, I'd the very first session of chemo, I didn't fast and it was awful. It was like swallowing metal. And I was really out for about eight days. I had no appetite. And then I read about fasting and I fasted for 48 hours and that, that helped considerably. So this time round, it was three days. So I was sort of trying to work out how, how to manage that. So I'd fast for two, two days before and then just eat 600 calories per day. So I was um, pushing my body to new limits. And I, f I found that that was interesting because I could still go through three days of chemotherapy without having any side effects. So after the three days, two days without food, and then the three days, 600 calories each day. So after that last chemotherapy session, 24 hours after where I'd, I'd kept to 600 calories, I could eat normally. And I had a fantastic appetite and I was 
And I was also in the gym during the chemotherapy sessions as well. So on day two, I do yoga one day, one morning and uh, gym the other. So day two of the uh, chemotherapy was the gym day and I was as fit as ever. So that was something I learned about about my, my body. Thank you for sharing that with us, Sonu. Thank you. Thank you, Carla. Thank you so much to Sonu Shivdasani OBE, co-founder of Seneva Resorts, one of the leading pioneers of sustainability and barefoot luxury travel. I'm really grateful to Sonu for sharing insights into how he's created these amazing destinations. The Future Traveller Report, which I mentioned before, is a joint project between WGSN and Soneva. We cover a wide range of topics in the white paper, but at the heart of it are the evolving demands of tomorrow's traveller who wants a far more sustainable approach to their trips in the future. Whether you have enjoyed the topics we've talked about today or want to see which of those future travellers you are, you can read the entire report via the link in the description to this podcast. 